0: What is up guys and welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast, Bleeding Burgundy and Gold. Guys, I know it's been a while. Please forgive me. I was meaning to push out this episode early in the week, but I've been on the injury reserve. My voice has been a little hoarse, but I'm back and I'm better than ever. So guys, in our last podcast, I hope you guys had a chance to tune into our last podcast where we actually did a live reaction to the Jamin Davis pick with our guys over from the Tay and Todd podcast. My guy Rio from the Ramblin' About Washington podcast podcast and our guy Alex so we actually gave you guys a very in-depth look at our you know reactions and our opinions to the Jamin Davis selection. and if you guys can go back to that episode you can tell I am very excited about that pick so I'm not going to focus too much on the draft today uh, because today is actually Thursday May 13th so the NFL actually released their official schedule for the 2021 season yesterday and today's episode is going to be a way too early record prediction um episode where we predict what washington will go through the first 17 game season in nfl history so i'll give you my record prediction and remember guys this is way too early this is my abrasive opinion my outlandish opinion based off of one day of research and you know me just looking at the schedule and thinking hey I think Washington might get that one Hey, I don't know, this one might be a little tough So I'm going to give you guys my way too early Record prediction for the Washington football team In the 2021 season But before that I did want to touch a tad bit more on the draft Because I know in the last episode That I presented to you guys That we only touched on the Jamin Davis pick Which was our first round pick But I do want to mention some of my favorite picks So I do want to acknowledge everybody That did get drafted Um, Samuel Cosme was drafted in the second round a left tackle out of the University of Texas, Benjamin St. Juice, a huge corner at over 6'3, three, um, was drafted in the third round out of the University of Minnesota. De'Ami Brown, a wide receiver, a speedster, a burner, a guy who averaged about twenty yards per catch, was drafted out of the University of North Carolina. He is a wide receiver. Tight end John Bates was drafted out of Boise State. Derek Forrest, a safety, out of the University of Cincinnati. Cameron Cheeseman, a long snapper, was actually drafted in the. 6th round out of the University of Michigan William Bradley King Jr., a defensive end, pass rush specialist from the University of Baylor. Shaka Tony from the University of Penn State, and then Dax Mill from BYU, who is actually one of Dak, um one of Zach Wilson's favorite targets um, this past season. So, guys, Washington brought in about 10 players, and I'm not going to go in depth on the guys um, too much right now. I do want to mention some of my favorite picks, but I will be going in depth about all of these draft picks as we be doing, as we are going to be leading into our positional breakdowns as the season comes to it uh, comes to a head you know the season is right around the corner guys it is May so we're right before the summertime and, you know that's when we really get in the thick of things so I did want to mention that date that I mentioned earlier because Washington is set to have their rookie minicap this weekend um, over the course of this weekend so all 10 draft picks that I mentioned undrafted free agent running back Jared Patterson and a slew of other players from the roster last year that, were, that are eligible to participate in rookie minicap will be in the facility and will be getting in guys football season is here the twenty-one, the 2021 season is about to you know it's about to commence like it's ready I, I'm so excited um, so I did want to mention some of my favorite picks from the draft um, one of my favorite picks was drafting De'Ami Brown in the third round I think that was a still I think he was a top six receiver in the draft and he reminds me a lot of a young Stephon Diggs so I don't want to sound too crazy and I know I made this tweet about a week ago um, after watching more of his film because I was very intrigued um, by through the um, pre-draft prox- process, but he just reminds me a lot of Stephon Diggs at the University of Maryland. I'm somebody who's grown up watching Stephon Diggs. You know, Stephon Diggs grew up. Uh, he's a year older than me, and we grew up in the high school football circuit in the D.M.V. area. We played in the same seven-on-seven camps and things like that. So I know the type of athlete Stephon Diggs is, and Diami Brown at a young age just reminds me a lot of a young Stephon Diggs. You know, he's not a Super, super speed burner, you know, running in the mid-fourth force, um, just like Stephon Diggs, but he's super agile after the catch, and his footwork is impeccable. You know, I, I heard the biggest knock on him um, in the draft um, was that he ran a limited route tree, and so did Stephon Diggs at the University of Maryland. You know, Stephon Diggs' route tree at the University of Maryland consisted of drags, bubble screens, screens, and the occasional post route, and now he's turned into one of the best route runners in the NFL running every route that you can. for routing dudes up on every possession, and that's because he had the he had the foundation to do that. And I think DeAndre Brown has that foundation as well to be not only a burner who's a deep threat and getting behind guys, but you know the footwork and the cut and the lateral, the cut agility, the cut ability and the lateral agility that he shows, especially after, with the ball in his hands after his catch. I, I believe that he he can he can if he if he wants to he has all the tra- to um, turn into an elite route runner to pair with that burning speed so I was a big fan of the De'Ami Brown pick and one of the sneaky picks that I loved in the 7th round was Shaka Tony, now you know I didn't mention position uh, when I brought up Tony earlier when I was listing the name of the draft picks and that's because I honestly don't know what he's going to play he was more of a pass rush specialist you know a DPR designated pass rusher um, with with Penn State but you know he's somebody who did have COVID during the draft process and he lost 20 pounds, but he's somebody who, you know, his weight fluctuated in college even before, um you know, his COVID diagnosis, you know, uh, Jack Del Rio in the interview did mention that, you know, they're going to look at him as playing, you know, off the ball position. But I do think that he's going to be in that hybrid role, something that we really thought that, you know, Ryan A- Anderson can be. But I think Shaka Tony is even a more elite um, athlete than, um, than um, Ryan Anderson, despite you know the draft pedigree. Ryan Anderson was drafted in the second round, but I think that Shaka Tony's athletic profile allows him to fit more of that hybrid role, somebody that can rush off the edge or drop back in coverage. There was actually a clip going around through the Washington football team community on Twitter where he's actually locking up John Bates on like a post route at the senior bowl. Like he's standing up in his two-point stance, and John Bates is getting clamped. It's, it's crazy. I'm like, is this dude a pass rusher or And in early, um, I know I didn't really mention uh, Shaka Tony in the pre-draft um, episodes that I did but I always thought because this class wasn't deep on natural pass rushers, but I always thought that Shaka Tony was more one of the more natural pass rushers in the draft. Now, does he have the size and the makeup to hold up and play you know, a book in in the 4-3 or outside linebacker in the 3-4? I was kind of hesitant on that. That's why I wasn't really necessarily high on him but he is great value at the 7th round. I so most, my, um, most you know, evaluators had him pegged as like a fourth or fifth round draft pick. So getting him at the, in the seventh round was actually a steal. So I'm just gonna stop there. I do love the Benjamin St. Juice pick as well. Um, I think that he has crazy potential, being that big, that long, um, and he had the best shuttle of anybody in the class. Um, so I'm excited a lot about this draft cast. I'm really anticipating them um, coming in and making an impact. Um, one of the traits that I actually noticed. Other than these guys being high character guys is that, you know, they, the, Ron and Martin and the Mayhews and, you know, Marty Hurdy, they drafted some athletic freaks, man. So, you know, we getting we got a lot bigger, a lot faster, and a lot stronger, especially with a pick like Samuel Cosby, 6th, 7th, behemoth of a man from the University of Texas. While he's raw, he's somebody that runs near a 4, 740, and he bench rep 38 um, reps in the bench press. That's insane for a left tackle. So, you know why he's wet under his feet, and, um, you know, he has time to groom, because Washington did actually... Actually bring in um, a left tackle Charles Leno jr. Uh, who was recently cut early in the week by the Chicago Bears. Um, Leno jr. actually made the Pro Bowl a couple years back and he's um, an average left tackle but he's serviceable and he's somebody that I expect to um, start earlier in the year um, so with that with um, Charles Leno bringing ball in with Eric Fowles bringing ball in we have a revamped offensive line where it's really built in the trenches so now we have a dominant defensive line and we have about 12 Over 13 NFL caliber bodies and I think that the training camp battles and the position battles on the offensive line are going to be elite you know bringing in Eric Flowers I'm kind of wondering what to do with my guy Sadiq Charles you know that's my guy I think that he does have Pro Bowl potential but you know I'm not sure I mean maybe the front office is um worried about how he um Rehabs from his injury, but, you know, bringing in a, another left guard um, and then bringing in a left tackle and then drafting another left tackle, you know, maybe, you know, the deck is full for Sadiq Charles. But hopefully somebody who's I thought they had elite potential and elite skill can, you know, make his way out of the doghouse and establish himself because a young offensive line with the likes of Cosme, Sadiq Charles, you know um, who else? Who else? Who's young along that offensive line? Eric Flowers is fairly young. Um, Morgan Moses and Brandon Scherf are on the older end but you know having an elite foundation, Chase Rullier is fairly young so having an elite foundation of the offensive line is something that you know a franchise and most NFL organizations look to set and uh, you know look to have settled down uh, for the long haul. So that's another for you know the news and notes um regarding the washington football team now it's time to get into our 2021 way too early i'm going to always mention that this is a way too early because i may have a more official you know record prediction closer to the start of the season in september but this is our 2021 way too early um record prediction all right So, last night, like I said, the NFL released their official schedule for the 2021 season. And that schedule starts off with the Washington football team playing at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, the Washington football team will play at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. I do want to mention one thing before I get started in the schedule, guys. I do want to mention that your boy, Jalen, me, I actually um, purchased Washington uh, football team season tickets for the first time. Um, in my life, you know, um, this is one of the items that I actually wanted to cross off my bucket list as a childhood. And I'm very excited, um, for this opportunity. Shout out to my man, Joe in the Washington football team's ticket sales, um, portion of the building. I, uh, he made this process very easy for me. And like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but all these home games that I'm about to mention on the schedule, catch your boy there, Either the two pieces, preseason games. Catch your boy there Section 139. I'm always there. 8 weeks of the season 2 weeks in preseason. Catch your boy there. Section 139 FedEx Field. We're going to be lit all season. Now, like I said, back to the 2021 record prediction. So, as we face the uh, Los Angeles Chargers in week 1, I actually have that as a W for the Washington football team starting out at 1-0. The reason that I have this as a W for the Washington football team is because I think that we're strong with the Chargers are still lacking at. You know, the Chargers do have dynamic playmakers at the receiver position, and, you know, one of the future goats of the quarterback, I mean, yes, I said it, one of the future goats at the quarterback position, because he showed me a lot last year in Justin Herbert, but, you know, um, they still, you know, I know they did draft with Sean Slater, but, you know, they're still pretty thin, not that good on the offensive line, and if you guys paid atten- or do pay attention to Chase Young's Twitter page, he was actually ecstatic when um, the week one schedule came uh, when the uh, week one schedule actually came up. So if you guys were following yesterday the week one schedule was actually leaked very early in the morning before all of the rest of the games were leaked and initially right after you know Washington and uh, Los Angeles was announced Chase Young put up the sunshades emoji I'm sure that he's heard, he saw about um, all the clips going around on pre-draft Twitter about you know Rashawn Slater winning a couple reps against him and I'm pretty sure he's going to go out to tear Rashawn Slater um, up and this is one of the sole reasons why I think that Washington is going to you know win this game because I think Chase Young is going to dominate this game to remind Rashawn Slater that yeah I'm still the generational talent yeah you lucked out but I'm still Chase Young I'm still the predator defensive rookie of the year best player on this defense best player on the number one defense yes I said it in the NFL and then I believe you know having corners like you know, William Jackson, a pair with Keenan Allen, we can neutralize that guy, those guys. And then, you know, we can, you know, come out with a victory starting out at 1-0. So moving on to week two, the Washington football team actually plays at home on a Thursday night against the New York Giants. Actually had this as a win for the Washington football team as well. And guys, before you guys start saying, oh, Jalen, you're being way too bullish. You know, this is still the Washington football team. You know, nothing good ever happens to us. I honestly sat and looked today before you know I did my you know record prediction and put too much thought into these um, teams and the schedule. And I look and I think that we have one of the three most complete rosters in the NFC behind Tampa Bay for sure. But I honestly don't know who else we're behind as far as just depth. So I think that you know we do have questions at the quarterback position, but we have one of the deepest teams in the NFL, and I think that we can compete with anybody. So before you say I'm too bullish. Take that in consideration. I did do my research. Maybe you should do yours. So going back to week two, the Giants, I got that as a win. Like I said, um, you know, Saquon still be coming back off an ACL injury. We don't know how he's going to come back. And I think, you know, we're tired of Daniel Jones having our number. You know, we this is this this not the year that Daniel Jones has eight wins in the NFL. right. Half of them, four of them, have come against the Washington football team. That's putrid. That is putrid, and I think, you know, that's going to be a stat that is going to be keep being relayed as that week goes on, and I think that our dogs on defense, I finally think that we have that elite defense that we were talking about having last year. I think that that defense is going to take that bulletin board material and shut Danny Dimes down. Like I said, we don't know how Saquon's going to come back. Saquon has had his fifth share big games against us, but is he going to come back as the same Saquon, especially in week two where guys from the ACL injury, unless you're like Adrian Peterson, have to warm into it, you know, have to warm back up um, being that guy that they were before the injury you know I think that we're gonna shut down Kenny Galladay um, I watched um, the last ma- uh, matchup that Kenny Galladay had with the Detroit Lions um, when William Jackson was with the Cincinnati Bengals he clamped him there I feel like he's gonna clamp him again and you know Kendall Fuller is gonna show out and it's Danny Dimes again like he usually does and we're gonna be 2-0 going into week three Alright, going into week three, we play the Buffalo Bills. I think that this is going to be our first L, but I think that this is going to be a very competitive battle. One of the reasons that I think that this is going to be an L is because we still have a tendency to struggle with mobile quarterbacks. While I don't think this might this is going to be the biggest reason, I think that this may be one of the more important reasons why we do struggle um, and lose in week three. You know, Josh Allen, I believe he's a stud, and he's only getting better. Him and Stefan Diggs is probably the best duo in the NFL right now, and I don't know if we have you know, I love William Jackson. I love Kendall Fuller, but I don't know if we matching up with that dude, you know, and our secondary is going to be on the string that early in the season to, you know, clamp that guy down. You know, that's the NFL's leader, reception leader, and um, receiving yardage leader from last season. So, I don't know if we're going to shut down the digs and them boys, but I do think that we can be competitive. I don't think that, you know, um, looking at the Bills right now and not knowing what moves they're going to make later in the offseason, I don't think that they necessarily have the um, secondary to run with guys like Trey, um, Terry McCorn, um, De'Ami Brown, and Curtis Samuel. So I believe that the Washington football team will lose that one in a shootout, ultimately based because, you know, they have the, you know, superior quarterback. That's why I chose um, the Bills with that one. All right, moving on to week four, Washington plays the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. I think that this is a win. I don't think that the Falcons are that good. Um, despite drafting Cal Pitts, um, they're still weak on the offensive and defensive lines. Where we're strong at, this is another game that I think that the defense um, defensive line is going to dominate in the trenches. And our guy, Jamin Davis, did a damn good job covering Kyle Pitts in college now I'm not saying that that's going to translate to you know what he does in the NFL but he covered Kyle Pitts better than I saw any corner any safety or any other linebacker cover Kyle Pitts in college and hopefully that can translate um, where he's um, the router racer in the middle of the field and hopefully you know William Jackson's on his A game that day you know locking up Julio Kendall Fuller locking up Calvin really because if you lock up those guys and if you give the defensive line time they will get there and Matt Ryan at this age is nothing. Them short of a statue in the pocket so once you break once you break you know once you break that first line it's not like he's going to he's one of those quarterbacks that's going to evade the rush extend the plays and things like that look for Washington to have a huge sack game in that game and look for Antonio Gibson to dominate in that game as well because I do think minus Grady Jarrett that that front seven is still kind of weak You know, um, Deion Jones isn't the strongest against the run, and they did lose Keanu Neal. So, you know, look for a big game from the defensive line and Antonio Gibson week four against the um, Atlanta Falcons. Week five. So right now, we're going into week five at 3-1. Week five, the New Orleans Saints come marching into FedEx Field. Like I said, I'm going to be there in Section 139. And guess what? That's a W for Washington as well. Why? Because we don't know what the Saints are going to be this year. You know, they're supposedly starting Jameis Winston. They're supposed to be giving, what, Taysom Hill 20 plays now where he's lined up doing whatever he wants to do. Like, we don't know. The New Orleans Saints are, you know, I, I expect them to have a down year and be a shell of their self. We finally have a linebacker. Now I'm not saying that Jamin Davis is going to lock um, Alvin Kamara up, but you know, running a 4 four, he's faster. He ran a faster 40 time than Alvin Kamara, so we finally have a linebacker with the potential of matching up with Alvin Kamara. Then you got Cole Holcomb, who's giving you four-five speed as well. I believe that will match up with the middle of the field, which the Saints typically like to attack. Um, they may attack more downfield with um, Jameis Winston because I do think that his arm is a tad bit stronger than Drew Breezes was last season but I think, you know, with a guy like William Jackson, I, I think that what, guys you guys can tell from my mock offseason episodes and my reaction episodes I'm a William Jackson fan. I think he has the potential to be one of the top five corners in the NFL and if we um, neutralize a guy like Michael Thomas who isn't coming off the biggest season in 2020 you know, we have a great chance at winning. Now, I am concerned about the Saints defense. The Saints defense is all always pretty stout but i don't know if they're necessarily going to have the cover guys to run with us as well like i said i think that we have one of the deepest teams in the nfl we can legit go four or five wide um we can motion out antonio gibson he can play receiver in a, in a pinch we can motion out jd mckinson he can play receiver in a pinch and i don't think that the saints have enough cover guys to match up with us right now um in our way too early prediction, because it is May, and everybody can make um, potential moves to get better, you know, some guys can lose, some guys, some guys can get hurt, and things of that nature, so going into week six, we are four and one, and going into week six, we actually played the Kansas City Chiefs. And that is going to be an L for us. Um, I do think that we can compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, but I don't necessarily think that we're on their level yet. Now they are; we are strong with their weak at. But when you have a generational talent um, like Patrick Mahomes, kind of similar to what I think is going to play out against the Buffalo Bears where the quarterback is simply going to be, you know, the deciding factor in that game. Um, you know, Kansas City did look weak in the offensive line in the trenches against the Super Bowl. I mean, in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they did show up their offensive line, drafting a couple linemen, and then um, trading for Orlando Brown as well to um, hold down that left tackle position. So I think, you know, just with that firepower with Travis Kelsey, Miko Harmon, Tyreek Hill, I think that it can be a potential shootout. But I think that the Chiefs win that one in the shootout as well. All right, moving on to week seven. We are four and two. We are four and two. And uh, moving on to week seven, this game is Aaron Rodgers dependent because we do play the Green Bay Packers. If Aaron Rodgers is there, I believe that this is a loss. So I'm gonna count it as a loss right now because as of May um, May 13th, he is on the Green Bay Packers roster, so this will be a loss right now. But if he isn't, this is a dub all day. And remember when I was saying that I was looking back and seeing who has you know some of the deeper rosters in the NFC. Green Bay was the only other team that I saw that can compete with you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and us. If I'm being honest, not no biasness. You know, looking at position for position, who has NFL caliber talent at every single body in that position I think that the Washington football team the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers have the deepest um, rosters in the NFC and that's one of the reasons why I think that if Aaron Rodgers is um, playing with the Green Bay Packers come week seven that'll be an L for Washington because Aaron Rodgers is just that dude guys like we just got to be honest Aaron Rodgers is that dude Devontae Adams is that dude they have a good enough defense the only way where I see us having a chance against the Green Bay Packers is if we attack those corners you know, Jair Alexander is a stud, but they just drafted a corner maybe to potentially um, replace Kevin King. Um, but the secondary isn't the strongest, as you saw um, in their last, their last game, that they won on the field together in the NFC Championship. So they can be attacked, but, you know, Fitz is going to have to give us one of those Fitz Magic games and not one of those Fitz Tragic games where he's just tossing up the ball for grabs because they will intercept it, and you do not want to give Aaron Rodgers a bunch of chances. So that is week seven. So going into week seven... I mean, after week seven, going into week eight, we are four and three. We are one game over 500 in a pretty solid position. But we're going to be going to Denver on Halloween night for week eight, and we're going to be getting a dub against the Denver Broncos. Like I said, that's a W against the Denver Broncos because I'm not scared of Denver at all. I'm not scared of Drew Lock. I'm not scared of Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not scared of. Anybody that they have, honestly, you know, their defense is decent, you know, not what they used to be. But, you know, we don't know how Von Miller is about to come back from his injury. And like I said, the biggest reason that this is a dub for Washington, because I'm not scared of. Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, and you shouldn't be either. Um, these are guys, you know, Drew Locks in Drew Locke's case, he's turnover prone, he's incident prone, and then in Teddy Bridgewater's case, you know, he doesn't take enough chances, you know? Um, so, you know, they're meddling at the quarterback position, you know, Cortland Sutton is coming back from an ACL injury, so they do have weapons on the outside, but if you don't have a quarterback getting on the ball, and then you got, you know, the behemoth of a man that Chase Young is, paired with the behemoth of a man that Montez Sweat is in your face all day, it's like, uh ah, uh, what am going to do, what am I going to do, so that's why I think that's a W for the Denver Broncos, so uh, week nine is our bye, week nine is our bye, so we're going into the bye at five and three, five and three, we're going into the bye at five and three with a very very good record you know um, this is kind of giving me like the 2018 season vibes pre-alex smith injury you know where i thought that we had a chance to you know make the playoffs not necessarily compete like i do think now but you know we were um, pretty um, successful early in that 2018 season so moving on to week 10 moving on to week 10 This is the Washington football team revenge game. I have Washington defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And like I said, guys, this is the Washington football team revenge game. And why I say that is because I think that this coaching staff is too good to be beaten twice. And you know a year span. Now I know that it has happened. You know with the New York Giants, but when we improve on defense with this elite coaching staff, you know I think that we're gonna have Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers numbers this time this go around. You know Jack Del Rio is one of the better defensive coordinators game planning against um, Tom Brady, as you saw at his, with his time with the Denver Broncos when Tom was with the New England Patriots, and I think that he had he finally has enough guys in his system to kind of deploy that same you know scheme. that that he was deploying in um, Denver, where he's running a lot of man-to-man, running a lot of stunts and um, mad blitzes, man blitzes and man pressures and things like that. And I think that he's going to get to Tom more than a plenty of times for Washington uh, to sustain a victory in that game. So Washington is going to shop, or you know, at this point in the season, it shouldn't be a shot because what? We're six and three, so Washington is going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week Ten of the season, going into Week Eleven. Um, against the Carolina Panthers at 6-3. and three. So in week 11 against the Carolina Panthers, uh, going to Charlotte, guess what? That's a dub as well. So we're going to be seven and three um, after week eleven. And the reason that I said that this is going to be a dub is because Coach Rivera isn't going back to Charlotte and losing guys. And like I said, it's not even just Coach Rivera. It's Marty Herney. It's it's the it's the equipment managers. Like I, I heard um, on the Washington Football Team podcast, it's the social media. Nobody up here in Ashburn and Washington in the D.M.V. area is going to go down Carolina and coming back with an L. No, not, especially not after losing in Washington last season. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. And I'm sure Coach Iran isn't going to play it up that big. But, you know, Coach Rob was he was pissed um, when he got fired um, in the 2019 season. And I believe, you know, he has, you know, the roster that, that he was looking for um, to go squad up have his guys back while his guys have his back and going to take this dub against the Carolina Panthers in week 11. So moving on to week 12. What is that? We're 7-3. and three. Moving on to week 12 where we play the Seattle Seahawks in Monday Night Football and guess what? I have that as a dub as well. The reason that I have that as a W as well is because I don't think Seattle's going to be that good this year. You know their defense was middling last year and then all their offense did was regress as the season went on. Now um, they didn't necessarily improve as I think the offseason, you know, um, I think they might have gotten worse. And, you know, we heard rumblings about Russ not really loving it up there right now. And I think that, you know, the sustained competitiveness and the sustained excellence that we have been getting from the Seattle Seahawks, I think that that comes to an end this year. And I think they just overall have a down year. So this isn't going to come come what, week 12? This isn't even going to look like a huge win for Washington because I predict that Seattle is going to struggle throughout the season this year. So I think um, that Washington is going to be able to take advantage of that and they're going to dominate Seattle on Monday Night Football and leave um, with a W. So what is that moving into week 13? Washington is what is that? 9 8 and 3 8 and 3 moving into week 13 uh, Moving into week 13 where we travel to Las Vegas to play the Las Vegas Raiders and I have that as a W as well uh, This game I was kind of hesitant on because you know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and a lot of Where stuff can't happen in Vegas, you know, um this is the first season um, where they're going to have fans in Vegas. So, you know, just being in Vegas, uh, that, can, that can have an effect on a player's game. And this is an early kickoff. And, you know, I was hesitant. I was ready to give Washington the L. But then I thought, you know, with our leaders like Chase Young, Jamin Davis, and guys like that, Terry McLaurin. They're not going to let our guys, they're not going to let this moment be too big for them. They're going to, you know, take advantage of the moment and, you know, they're going to win the games that they're supposed to win this season. That's my mantra for this season. Washington is going to win the games that they're supposed to win and they're going to shock some people for the few games that, you know, that I had them shocking some people. You know, they may lose here and there as I do have in the schedule, but my mantra for this season is Washington is going to win the games that they're supposed to win. But, in week four, 14, I do have them losing to the Dallas Cowboys, so that would take our record to 10 and 4. Washington would be 10 and 4, oh 9 and 4, 9 and 4 um, after Week 14's loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Washington would be 9 and 4. Um, I just think that you know we had Dallas's number last year, and while they they they. Do struggle, they do have a lot of firepower on the offensive end. I think that they're going to be our most competitive partner in the NFC this year with us ultimately winning it. But, you know, I think that they're going to come out in week 14 and they're going to take the dub. As much as I hate to say it, you see, it pains me to say it. You know, I'm over here, my voice cracking, I'm over here hesitant to say it, but. We're gonna we're gonna take that, that L in that first matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. So like I said, after week fourteen, our record is nine and four and we're looking in great position for playoff um for playoff season and you know great chances in the division. So, moving on to week fifteen. That's a dub against Philly because Philly's horrible this year. I'm not gonna spend too much time on them because they suck. You know? Um I'm not a big believer in Jalen Hurts. Um it just they suck. Like I I I don't know what like you know they drafted Devontae Smith. You know um, while I while I do see potential in the Devontae Smith Jalen rieger duo, they don't have a quarterback to get them the ball. You know um, their offensive line has fallen apart. Um, the defensive line isn't what it used to be. The defense isn't what it used to be. They don't have corners. Like we're dominating. We're sweeping Philly now. So I'm gonna let you know now that week 15 and week 17 those are dubs. Those are dubs. We're sweeping Philly, so somebody get the broom out. I can't find my broom right now, but if I had it, I'd be sweeping right now. But let's move on to Week 16, where we actually get our revenge against Dallas. That's where we actually show, um, you know, who's boss in the NFC East. That's where we're actually going to get to Dak Prescott if he's playing, um, you know, seven to eight times. That's where we're, you know I'm going to see my man Chase Young doing his sack dance, my man Matt Ioannidis doing his sack dance. Because if I'm not mistaken, that game is on national TV, and that's where you know the the national media is going to be like, yeah, Washington is legit. So come Week 16, that's when you guys are going to. Hearing, you know, I, I think the Washington football team can, can do some things in the payoffs and potentially contend for the Super Bowl. I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now, Jalen is telling you now, what is it, May 13th? And our way too early record prediction come week 16 when we spank Dallas for revenge after we did lose to him earlier in the season. I tell you, next day on first take, they'll be like, damn, did y'all see the Washington football team last night? I'm telling you how it's gonna go. Zeke gonna have about 20 yards. William Jackson going to strap Amari Cooper. CeeDee Lamb going to be clapped by whoever, Kendall Fuller. You know, Jamin Davis might have a pick. You know, he's going to look like the best rookie in the class, upstaging. Michael Parsons, the best rookie linebacker in the class. And that's where we're going to be like, yeah, we, we got something. We got something this season. Like, let's get our bags ready for February. It's time. It's time. So, moving on to week 17. I told y'all, we spanking, we spanking Philly. We spanking him. They spanking them, they're getting swept. They're garbage. They're poo. They're they yeah. Uh I don't have much more to say. I know y'all look at B and B and G. I know y'all look at Jalen for the most in-depth analysis at always, and I always look to give that to y'all, but I don't have anything for Philly. They're 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 bad. They they're fu- if you guys were paying attention to the draft, they're over there beefing in the in the war room. They suck. Eagles fans, if you see this, if you're an Eagles fan and you're listening to this, y'all suck. Y'all suck. We are sweeping y'all this year. Okay, let's move on to week 18, you know, our newly minted week 18 with the 17-game NFL schedule, and I do have Washington losing to the New York Giants. I think that, you know, this, by this time, Saquon's going to be full form. I don't know if the Giants are necessarily going to compete, but like I told you guys early in the in the, uh, in the the episode, Saquon does have our number, you know? I'm not one of those Washington football team fans that's delusional, even though I do seem a little bullish, giving us a 12-5 and record, but you know... Um, I give big time players big time credit when they deserve big time praise. And Saquon has done that against the Washington football team time and time again. And while I don't think he's gonna be his full self in week two, come week eighteen, you know, when when, when the tread on that ties is pushing. And you know, the Giants did get a tad bit better. I do like what they did. Um You know, addressing the offense, trying to get Danny Dimes some help with guys like Kadarius Tony. Even though I think they reach for him and getting a guy like uh, Kenny Galladay to already pair with Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram. You know, I think that the NFC East is going to be pretty competitive this year. So you guys see that I do have Washington ended with a 12 and 5 record and they do win the NFC East, and this is after a gauntlet. I don't know if you guys noticed as I was going through the schedule, but the last five games are all against NFC East opponents. We played um, Dallas twice, we played Philly twice, and we played the Giants once. This is something that is unprecedented, but this shows that that last month of the season, January, um, December to the first week in January, is going to hold more weight than it has ever had in the history of the NFL. So with that being said, guys, I have Washington up with a 12-5 record, winning the NFC East, and clinching a top two seed in the NFC. Call me bullish, call me what you want, but that's why it's my way-too-early record prediction and not yours. If you agree with me, please holler at us. Please follow us on our social media pages, at Bleeding on Twitter. That's at B-L-E-E-D-I-N. B-N-G and then at bleeding b-n-g on Instagram. It's a tad bit different. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-B-N-G. And if you're um, one of our YouTube fans, please subscribe. Please subscribe. And if you're listening and you want to be one of our YouTube fans, please follow us on YouTube. You can search Jalen Morgan. That's my name. Or you can search Bleeding Burgundy and Gold. If you search both of those or each of those, any of those, um, our page should pop up. And guys, please, please, please subscribe to our Apple podcast and leave a comment. Rate wherever you can. We really appreciate all the support. I heard that you guys loved our group episode that we did with the Tay and podcast and the rambling about washington podcast with rio i appreciate all the support like i said earlier in the episode i'm at all the home games this year guys if y'all see me wave you know one section 139 if i see you make yourself known you know you know i'm a wave i'm a very friendly guy so that's it for um the latest episode of the bleeding bng podcast i have washington ending at 12 and 5 winning the nfc east thank you guys for tuning in and i'll be back soon thank you